You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Well, I never thought it would come to this, but we are at the end of closing the Awaken series. And uh, as a pastor, I just have to be realistic, right? We, uh, if I don't remember the sermon series from last year this time, I can't expect for you to. <laughs> and uh, I think it's so easy to go to church Sunday in and Sunday out and take some, you know, practicals and some principles and apply them to our lives. But so often we just, we kind of go in autopilot, don't we? My prayer for all of us, all of us, that includes me, my prayer is that this series and the content that we are learning from this series and what God has done in our hearts through this series, that it would never leave us. If you're going to save something on YouTube or you're going to download a specific message, I would really encourage you to download this series or another series much like it on the Holy Spirit. Because you see, guys, if you don't understand the Holy Spirit and his role and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life to live out the spiritual life in following Jesus, you won't be able to do what you set out to do. In order to live a spiritual life to follow Jesus, you must have the Holy Spirit in you And that's just not even enough. You have to respond to it. And today we're gonna talk about our response. But before that, I want to recap or summarize the key components of the Holy Spirit series. And we'll start with the purpose. The purpose of this series from the beginning was this, to awaken ourselves, to awaken ourselves. How many of you understand now that the church that calls themselves Christians need to wake up or it's gonna be too late? Amen? (laughs) We need to wake up. How many of you would even say through this series, and honestly, what you're saying is through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm waking up? Yeah, amen. And I pray, I pray, I pray that this series never leaves us. More importantly, that we don't ever leave the Holy Spirit. So the purpose is to awaken to the truth of the Holy Spirit and be transformed, say transformed, transformed by giving him complete access to your life. It's only through the Holy Spirit that you can do any Holy Spirit living. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 through 18 says, we who with unveiled faces, let me even back up. The first part of uh, verse 17 says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then it says, we who with unveiled faces, what that means is go back to the Old Testament culture And not just the culture, but the biblical structure of God meeting with his people was through the tabernacle. And God rested in the most holy place where only God could apart from sin. And there was a veil that could not be torn. 
and it separated man from God. God cannot be in the same presence of anything short of holiness. That's why they call it the most holy place. That's why here's a little trivia for you. The high priest that would go in once a year with an atonement sacrifice for all the people of God, they would put a rope around his foot so that if he could not stand the presence of God or there was any sin in his life, he would fall dead, they would pull him out. I ain't going in there to get that guy, (laughs) right? But when Jesus paid the price that no one else can pay, when he became the sacrificial lamb that takes away the sins of the world, when Jesus took his last breath and said, it is finished, the veil tore, not just impossible to the where that no man could tear it, but it tore from the top to the bottom. And what it is now is there are always, friends, in the New Testament, there are always spiritual applications of Old Testament uh, models or practicals. The tabernacle, there is a spiritual model of how we worship reflected in the tabernacle. There is a spiritual model in the veil being torn. The veil represents unbelief. Say unbelief. Unbelief. We have a veil over our eyes when we don't believe in Jesus, when we don't accept his free gift. Now the Holy Spirit comes and we're going to see his role in just a minute. But when we receive Jesus, it says that that veil is torn in two, meaning the veil is torn in two and lifted from our eyes. And so it says the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. What's the Lord's glory? Is it the Holy Spirit? Not necessarily. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God, the third person in the Trinity. He is a person. He's not a mist. He's not a vapor. He's not a dove. He's the Holy Spirit. The glory of God is the kabod, is the essence of God's presence. And when the glory of God enters the room, you know it (laughs) because it's weighty. You can't stand under it most of the time. And so I share all of that to tell you that we reflect the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into the image of Christ from one point of glory to the next point of glory to the next. That means it's the word called sanctification. We are to be conformed in the ways of Jesus and the image of Jesus. Why do I share all that? Because the purpose is to awaken to the truth of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts and our minds need to wake up, but that's not enough. We need to give the Holy Spirit permission to transform our lives so that we are different. The saddest thing about the Christian church is they come to church in the morning and they leave the same. It should be whenever we encounter the presence of God, We are never the same. So I want to recap this series. When we as a church, when we as a church, friends, what's the church? The church is a people, ecclesia, people called by his name. When we as a church body begin to seek the Lord's face, would you say seek for me? Seek the Lord's face. Draw near, say draw near. Draw near to the face of God in prayer and turn daily. Say, turn daily. 
from our sinful ways. And when we give the Holy Spirit permission, say permission, permission to have complete control in our lives to change us, we will start seeing this. And I want you, I want you to take inventory in your life first, then your family's life, and then us as a church, as a whole, local church body called Elevation Community Church. If you're watching from another church, take inventory on your local church body. Are we seeing God do immeasurably more than all we could ask or think or imagine? Because God promises, it, promises that when we humble ourselves, when we seek his face, when we seek the kingdom and his righteousness, when we seek the Holy Spirit and give him permission to move, he will move. You see, when we ask God to come into our lives and he indwells us, and I'm gonna get there into a moment, but so often we ask God to come into our lives, but we just give him the guest room of our lives. You can just have the guest room. There's a microwave in there and there's a little mini fridge, but just the guest room. Where God wants to take over and have full residence in our lives. That's when he can do immeasurably more. When you have sin in your life that you're not dealing with, he can't do immeasurably more in your life. You have to lay it down. So when we seek his face with everything we have and we give the Holy Spirit permission, God will do immeasurably more. We will also look different than the world. Is that number two? We will look different than the world. Obviously, as you know, if you're listening or tuning in to everything going on, it's a little easier to be a little different than the world. It's getting darker and darker. But I tell you what, friends, the world that we know it is really helping us put a line in the sand, is it not? We need to look different than the world, and we can only do that by giving permission to the Holy Spirit to transform us and change us. The next thing that will happen in the church and in your life is others will notice and respond in different ways. In light of what I just said, of how it's getting darker, and we are becoming, if not, we already are a post-Christian nation, but we're becoming more and more and more and more hostile to God, the ways of God, and the people of God. Can we, can we admit that? I mean, we still are able to live stream and, and be able to still have a voice in our community. We need to appreciate that while we have it, Right? People are not gonna respond to when God does immeasurably more and we look different because we're seeking God's face, we're turning away from sin and we're giving the Holy Spirit permission. People will persecute us, they will hate us, they will try to eliminate us and they will try to push us out. God promises that, in fact, Jesus says that. But he says, don't fear, I've overcome the world, duh. Right? I added that part. Greater is he, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, that lives in you than he who is in the world. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, 
but a power, love, and a sound mind. That's how we're going to look different. And because we're different, we're going to be targets. That's okay. Jesus promised it. And guess what? We win in the end. We win in the end. It's going to be the people who endure, who humble themselves, who do all of these steps that God is going to not only honor, but God is going to use and work in and through to bring his kingdom on this earth. That's powerful. The other thing we're gonna see is the enemy. We'll try to hinder and dampen and divide. And that's where we need to put our foot in the ground. First Peter 5 says, be alert. Be alert. What does that mean? Look out, wake up. Take heed for the enemy, the devil, prowls around the earth, seeking whom he may devour. It says, resist him. Resist him by standing firm. We think resisting is just we're going to fight with all of our energy and exhaustion. No, standing firm. You know what that looks like? Right here. Right here. The cross before me the world behind me, no turning back. That's what it looks like. But we have to stand firm and resist the enemy. And then the final part of that verse says, and he will flee from you. Not he might, he will, because he has to in the name of Jesus. So let's look at the Holy Spirit's role that we have covered in the last seven weeks. That's a lot. Take your phones out, take a Snapchat, a snapshot, Snapchat. You can do that too. So number one is the Holy Spirit draws us to the Father. You wanna pray for your lost friends, lost family members, lost neighbors? The first thing you should pray is Holy Spirit, draw them to the Father's heart. These are all scriptural, by the way. I just don't have the references up, but I'd be happy to provide them to you. It says the spirit woos the heart to the father. And then the next step in order to get close to the father and have a relationship with the father is we need to be holy. In order to be holy, we need to have Jesus and the work that he did on the cross revealed to us. You can't, You cannot understand what Jesus did for you without the Holy Spirit revealing it to you. You can't. I'm sorry, you can't. This is not something you muster in your own mind and your own power. Zechariah 4, 6, I believe, says it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. So then when he reveals Jesus to us in order to receive the holiness that Jesus gives through the forgiveness of sins, he has to convict us of sin. That is the Holy Spirit doing that. That's the Holy Spirit within you telling you it's not okay. And so then when we repent, meaning we turn from our wicked ways and we ask Christ to forgive us, The Bible says we're born again. Basically what that means is we're converted. 
Have you ever heard that word, converted? We're converted from our dead, sinful self, which is bound for eternity without God. But through Christ, we can have right standing, that's the word righteousness, right standing with God. We're born again, we're made a new creation. We have a heavenly, seriously, a heavenly spiritual DNA running through our veins. We do. So that means God in, in, uh, um, continually forms us down there. He's starting to conform us and wire us according to the ways of God. So he seals us, meaning his presence is resident, takes residence in our lives. How much of your home have you given him access to? Because he wants to indwell all of you. You see, we can have the spirit of the Lord take residence in our life but we can so easily stuff him in a room and lock the door. This is where the word baptism, immersion, baptismo, the Greek word means to immerse, comes into play in the New Testament, starting with the book of Acts. This is where we see the Holy Spirit now. He's already indwelling in us because we've received the work and the person of Jesus. However, it's not enough for spiritual living. It is enough because grace is enough for salvation. It's not by works, you don't earn it, but so often we just sit on the bench off the field just thinking if God's presence, the Holy Spirit lives in me because of salvation, I don't have to do anything. I'm good to go. No, now your life is not about you anymore. Your life is about the kingdom of God. Your life is about serving others. Your life is about being the light in darkness. Your your life is about bringing the gospel to the lost. Your life is no more about you entertaining yourself and taking care of just your needs. That's why the Holy Spirit then now fills us to overflowing so that we're saturated, soaking wet to where others around us get wet. And in the filling of the Holy Spirit, he brings us giftings and wirings and even spiritual skill sets, again, which aren't for you. They may be proof to you that the Holy Spirit is working in and through you, but they're not for you. They're for the body of Christ. They're for building up the body. It's no more about you. So we need to get over ourselves and start to allow the Spirit to flow over us. Overflow, say overflow. That's what the spirit wants to do in your life. Will you give him the keys to do so? Spirit continually conforms us and forms us into the image of Christ. He leads and guides you in all truth. Do you realize, I mean, so many, I hear all the time, and this used to be me too. I read the word of God and I just don't understand it. It's just words, I, I just, I'm so confused. It's because it's not living yet. The Holy Spirit needs to make it living and active in your life. Like a two-edged sword that just pierces through everything of who you are. And your eyes begin to come alive and awaken to the truth of God. That's the Holy Spirit. 
are you letting him guide you in all truth? He counsels and comforts and empowers us. And this is just a, this isn't an exhaustive list, by the way. There are so many more roles and functions that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. And so I ask you before we move on, how are you seeing this in your life? Please don't let this just be information on a screen, but would you allow it to maybe even bring some transformation into who you are, how you think and how you act? And so the rest of our time, we're gonna focus on one thing, your response to the Holy Spirit. Your response. Because the Holy Spirit wants to do great and mighty things in your life and conform you to look more like Jesus, but you have to do something. You see, we get confused. We say salvation is free. It's grace. You don't have to do anything to earn it. That is correct. You have to receive it. <laughs> it's like getting a package on Christmas and you never open it. It's yours. It's a gift to you, but you got to open it. But in walking this Christian life out, it takes you responding, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, you respond to something. You respond to one or two spirits. It's either the Holy Spirit or it's the worldly spirit, which is the flesh. We, we respond to one of two things, either the Holy Spirit or the worldly spirit, the flesh. You always have a choice. Don't let the world feel, fool you. And so our response, our response to the Holy Spirit, that's gonna be the next three points that we focus on. Our response to the Holy Spirit. Let me just, let me slow the vehicle down just for a minute, because this is a lot. Whenever you close up a series, there's just so much to cover. How you respond to the Holy Spirit, friends, will determine how you choose to live your life. Pretty simple, right? Common sense. How you choose to respond to the Holy Spirit will determine how you choose to live each moment of your life. And how you live, how you choose to live each moment of your life will determine what kind of fruit your life produces. And what kind of fruit your life produces will directly point to the source of what is driving the vehicle of your life. So it helps sink in just a little bit more. How we respond to the Holy Spirit directly impacts how we choose to live each moment. How we choose to live each moment will affect the fruit that we produce. And the fruit that we produce, what does Jesus say? You will know the tree by its fruit. When you look at an apple tree, you don't call it a lemon tree. 
Oranges don't grow on a tomato plant. The tree is known and identified by the fruit. So the fruit in your life will directly point to who is on the throne of your heart. So our response. The first response is to walk it out. Now, if you have your Bibles or you do have a phone app on your phone, please turn to Galatians chapter five. Galatians, you have Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians, and it's before Ephesians and Philippians. Please turn to that. I love the sound of the pages turning. We can have it on the screen, and I get that, and it's wonderful, but when you are in the word yourself, that's where life happens for you, okay? By the way, it's the Holy Spirit that reveals that life to you through the word. When you open the word, by the way, do you ever say, Holy Spirit, will you show me? Will you lead me in truth? Because it says, ask and you shall receive. Interesting. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Say, walk it out. Walk it out. Walk by the Spirit. How many of you know that in order to get to point A to point B, you have to walk? You have to move. Now, the destination is there for you and provided for you, but you have, in order to get there, you need to move. You need to put one foot in front of the other. You choose to put one foot in front of the other. You choose. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the, sp- or of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. How many of you can say, even in your Christian walk, you've come to a place where you said, I don't understand the way, the things I do. I want to do right. I want to love my spouse. I don't want to yell at my children, but I always do. I don't want to get angry, but it seems like I always do. I don't want to click that thing on my phone or on my my television screen or on my computer screen, but every time I seem to do it. I don't want to lie. I don't want to spread rumors. I don't want to gossip about the person in front of me, behind me, or beside me, but I do it. You're not alone. The apostle Paul says that. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? He's the same one that wrote this. Walk it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Does that mean you won't sin? It actually does. (laughs) As long as you are keeping in step with the Spirit in every step you take and you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't sin. Does that mean you're going, you're not going to sin? Well, We're sinners saved by grace. And so as long as we're in this fleshly body, we are highly tempted to sin. We fall short of the glory of God, but we get right back up and walk in the spirit and the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. But the goal 
is to get to the point where we're walking every day of our lives, every moment of our lives in step with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the things that used to, the things of the flesh that used to trip us up are now just flat surface that we're just walking. We don't even recognize it anymore. That's the whole point of the Holy Spirit's conforming us and making us into the image of Christ. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The law in the Old Testament were rules in order to reveal the wrongdoing of God's people. There were rules that in that time made you right with God for a period of time through sacrifice. But what Jesus, or what, what Paul is saying here is because of Jesus, because he took away the sins of the world, and because we have life everlasting in Jesus, we are not under the rules that convict us of sin every time. We are under grace where God saves us every time. Does that make sense? So we need to walk it out. You have to put one foot in front of the other. If you are moving, you are moving in one direction or the other. That's why repentance means literally to stop in the direction you're going and turn the other way and walk towards God. You can only walk towards the ways and the things and the acts of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so let's move on to the second point. The second point is a response to the Holy Spirit is the fruit our lives produce. The fruit our lives produce. Every one of us produces fruit in our lives. And the fruit represents one of two trees. The good tree, the bad tree. It's that simple. Let's take the illustration of a tree producing fruit or a plant producing fruit. The first thing that is needed is you need to plant a seed. The seed has the DNA code of that plant. The seed determines the root. The root determines the health of the tree. So the root is planted deep within the ground. But you can't have a root system without the seed dictating what the root is going to be. And then the tree has the right makeup for the right fruit. But sometimes you have a tree with the right seed, the right root, but the wrong makeup in the function of the tree. And what happens when it doesn't have what it needs, it starts to die and not produce healthy fruit. And so the seed determines the root. The root dictates the makeup of the tree. The healthy makeup of a tree then produces the fruit. So the fruit is the byproduct of the root. The fruit is the byproduct of the root. And in order to have a root, you need to have a seed. And so I wanna, wanna read Galatians 5, 19 to 24 and we're gonna talk more about that seed in a minute. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So this is fruit. 
You either have the worldly fruit or the spiritual fruit. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is, this is just a short definition, not all of them, of fruit produced by our seed being planted in the world. Now, I want to address that last sentence so you don't leave here thinking you're a Christian and you fall into temptation today and sin in one of these areas and you feel like you're going to hell. I believe that that teaching is out of context. I do believe there's truth to this, but I want to declare what or define what I mean by this. This is not talking about an isolated sin that may fall into this list. We all know that living in the flesh every day, every moment, we're tempted with sin. And friends, the reality of it is we give in to that temptation from time to time, hopefully not as much as you used to. But just because you fall into an isolated sin doesn't mean that you're not of the kingdom of God. What this is directing to is referring to the lives of people that are dominated by, characterized by, and habitually influenced by the fleshly acts of sin. To go on sinning without any conviction and any repentance the rest of your life and go on like it's normal activity proves that you are not rooted in God. But if you're rooted in God and you are starting to produce some of this fruit, you need to get rid of it and you need to reconnect to the vine, which is Jesus. You need to reconnect. So this isn't talking about isolated sin. This is talking about a life that is rooted in this, which produces this kind of fruit. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, just making sure. So let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. Let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. First, the, the, spirit of the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There it is again, talking about the law of things that make you right with God. Works. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm running out of time, but I'd like to at least give you a short definition for each. So let's go really quick. The first three is love, joy, and peace. Love is the greatest of all qualities. This is why, friends, you can be in tune to the Holy Spirit and try to operate in the gifts of the Spirit that we've covered in this series. But if you don't embody and produce this kind of fruit, you show that you are trying to operate in a spiritual gift in your man-made flesh. 
It's not how they're supposed to operate. That's why Paul says, if you do any of these gifts, but you do not have love, you're just a crashing gong. You absolutely are useless or your gift is useless because you're not operating in the Holy Spirit. Love is the greatest quality, the most clearly reflects the nature and character of God. Joy, I love this definition of joy. It's grounded in our hope of salvation alone. That's why we can have joy in the hardest of times. That's why we can have joy with the greatest of losses. It's because it's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on our feelings. It's based on who Jesus is. Peace. Peace is the opposite of worry. Peace is the opposite of stress. Peace is the opposite of chaos. And peace is the opposite of anxiety. What is peace? It's the confidence and freedom that you know when you approach God, everything has been covered because you've been rescued and reconciled. You see, if you don't feel like you can approach God, you don't have peace because he is the one who offers peace and he is the God of peace. The next three is patience. How many, I'm sure all of us just overflow with the spiritual fruit of patience, right? But what it is, is it's following God's timeline and not your own. Abandoning your own ideas for the Lord's will. You see, when we try to follow our own timeline, we get impatient, we get stressed, and we have anxiety. But when we give it over to the Lord, we have peace and patience. Kindness is showing goodness and generosity of sympathy and sympathy to others. Goodness is working for the benefit of others. And the last two, Faithfulness is consistently doing what one says they will do. Our culture is horrible at this. It is. And it stems from the parents in the home for many years. We model, and then we see what we modeled in our kids. We are not people of our word anymore. Faithfulness is a fruit that comes from us surrendering to the Holy Spirit, which then when we give our word, we do what we say we will do. And self-control, the last one, is the ability to resist the power of the flesh. So let me ask you, out of those fruits of the Spirit, can you go back to Galatians 5, that scripture? Out of these fruits, how do you see the Holy Spirit producing that in your life? And depending on your answer, this is going to either encourage you or really challenge you. What you yield to, it's the three points coming up here. What you yield to, the fruit you produce is determined by what you yield to. Well, I just can't help the fruit that my life's producing. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the deck of cards that I was dealt. No, the fruit isn't produced because what happens to you. The fruit that produces in your life is what you yield to. It's what you give first place to. It's what you prioritize around. And what you yield to determines the seed, remember that illustration, the seed 
planted in the soil of your mind. This is so essential to Christian living. The seed, the soil, the seed that is planted in your mind. It always starts with the seed that's in your mind. Don't believe me? Let's keep looking. What you think about and what you receive as truth is determined by the seed that's planted in your mind. And then what you think about and receive as truth will determine how you talk. And how you talk will lead you to what you believe. And what you believe will begin to form your identity. And from there, then it dictates how you behave and you respond. And it all goes back to the seed of what you respond to. Are you yielding? Are you halting? Are you giving first place to the Holy Spirit or to the worldly spirit, which is the flesh? That will determine the seed that's planted in your mind. The seed that's planted in your mind will drive what you think about. What you think about is what you talk about. What you begin to talk about is what you start to believe as truth. What you believe as truth will form your identity. How you form your identity will produce how you behave and respond. So you wanna change the fruit you're producing, you need to change the seed that has been placed in your mind. And that goes to our last and final point. In our response to the Holy Spirit, yes, yes, we, what's the first point? I'm losing my thought. Yes, we respond to the Holy Spirit by walking it out. Yes, we respond to the Holy Spirit by allowing him to produce the right fruit within within us. And then we respond to the Holy Spirit by becoming living sacrifices, laying your life down on the altar before God. And to prove and present this point, because this is the hardest thing in our response to do, to lay ourselves down so the Holy Spirit can have control. I wanna give you three scriptures. The very first one is out of Galatians 5. And it says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another envying one another. What he's saying is to to live by the Spirit is like jumping off of a plane. You're dying to yourself and you're soaring, free-falling with the Holy Spirit attached to you. Or shall I say, you attached to the Holy Spirit. The only way to live by the Spirit is to attach ourselves to the Spirit. The only way to attach yourself to the Holy Spirit is to die to your flesh. The second scripture is in John 15, 5. The whole illustration of fruit comes in here. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches that are an extension of the vine. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much Fruit, for apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. 
You have to lay your own personal needs, agendas, dreams, wants, and cravings on the altar in order for God to plant the seed of his life through the Holy Spirit to transform you into the likeness of Jesus and to live out this spiritual life he's called us to. And the band can come up as we cover the last scripture, which is Romans 12, verses one through two. And Paul says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, I appeal, meaning I beg you, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Present your bodies as living sacrifices unto the Lord. Holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to renew the seeds that are planted in our lives. And we renew that by giving the Holy Spirit permission to come and lead and guide us and transform us. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we just prepare for responding to you, this is a weighty message because it requires much of us, Lord. It requires our devotion. It requires our priorities. It covers and requires us to die to the flesh. And so I pray you would help us in this moment, Lord, to walk in step with your Holy Spirit. That in yielding to you, O God, yielding to you, Jesus, and giving you full permission, Holy Spirit, in our lives, that the fruit we produce will show others who we belong to. And lastly, Lord, I just pray that we would take this time to lay ourselves down. Whatever is keeping your Holy Spirit from having access in our lives, whatever is hindering the fruit that you want to produce in our lives, we choose to lay it down in this time. Whether right where you're at or coming to the altar, we do that now, Lord. Holy Spirit, lead this time in this moment in Jesus name amen during our response we haven't done this in a while and not really intentionally we just haven't done it in a while we're going to offer the opportunity to partake in communion today and they're they're the communion cups that are kind of communion all in one uh sealed with cellophane. It is a pain to get off, by the way, so I apologize. And they taste wonderful. 
But as they're getting ready to hand out the communion cups, if you guys could wait real quick, wait real quick. There's two exceptions to taking communion, okay? Number one is communion for, are for those who belong to the family of God. How do you belong to the family of God? You have responded to the Holy Spirit of drawing you to the heart of God, leading you to Jesus, convicting you of sin, and you repenting of your sin, asking Jesus to cleanse you and forgive you and be Savior and Lord of your life. If that is not you, communion is not for you, but communion as they pass it out is to remind you of what Jesus is still today offering to you. The other exception from taking communion is if you are not right with God or you're not right with other believers. If that's you, just let it slow by or pass by until you get right with God and get right with others and then you can partake with communion. Other than that, this is for the family of God to remember what Jesus did for us and to identify ourselves as bought with the precious blood of Jesus, cleansed by the blood of Jesus and now filled with the Holy Spirit to do the work of the kingdom. So go ahead and take communion on your own or with your family on your own time as we respond in this next song. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.